This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for this Sunday morning. Uh, Wally is, uh, we found out Mark where Wally is. He's in Prague, Czechoslovakia, probably listening to the show. So we'll have him back next week. Our uh, special guest uh, this morning, uh, Michael Trakos, hockey writer for the uh, Post Media. How are you doing, Mike? Pretty good, thanks. And thanks again for having me on. Great, great. We have Lou Franceschetti, former Leaf, Capital, and Saber. Hi, Lou. How are you? Morning, Naz. How are things going here? Great, great. And Mark Kennedy, who's been uh, helping us out the past couple of weeks, with, uh, and he writes the blog, Mistake by the Lake, with TFC, is here. Hi, Mark. How are you? I've been trying to bill myself as the anti-Wally. <laughs> now, now, Mike, we want to talk about uh, the World Cup of Hockey off the top. Um, well, how, does, how does Canada look in the upcoming tournament? Oh, it's it's a hockey tournament, and it's Canada. So if you're not picking them as your gold medal favorite, um, I, I think you're doing a disservice to the team. And it's going to be tough um, with the expectations and it, with it being in Canada. Um, I think everyone's expecting them to be that undefeated team, that, that best of best team that's just going to roll through the tournament. But when you look at some of the teams in this tournament, uh, best of best tournament like there's, there's no minnows here maybe czechoslovakia or sorry the czech republic maybe team europe but aside from that it's just really good teams that they're going to be facing and for me it starts with Kerry price he's got to be the Kerry price that we know and coming off that injury there's probably some question marks with um the kind of state that his game's going to be in but if mike babcock's got them playing that full kind of defensive style that really smothered uh, the offense you know, that we saw in the past two Olympics, then it's going to be a really easy battle for a carry. Now, is there uh, there there backups for Price? Is Holtby and uh, Crawford, right? Are those the two guys? Yeah, and Holtby's coming off a great year, and we were just talking about this before the show, was whether or not he showed up as good as he was in the regular season. You remember, he's a Vezina Trophy winner this year. Was he as good in the playoffs? And maybe there's some doubt in a lot of people's minds as to whether he's that big game goaltender. But when you've got a Vezina Trophy winner, the defending champion right now, as your backup goalie, that's a pretty good uh, number yeah. two to have. And who is uh, Louis? Who's the uh, who's going to challenge Canada here? Uh, I, I I guess you got to think the Swedes. Uh, they're probably the, the Swedes or the Finns. They, they probably play the closest style that I think to uh, to the Canadian style. You know, this tournament is more. They all know each other, and it's nothing. There's no secrets coming up except maybe for the under 23 team. Uh, but other than that, uh, I guess it's going to come down to goaltending, and uh, the Swedes battled them 
tooth and nail in the finals of the uh, uh, the Olympics. I just didn't think they had enough with Backstrom being out. Um, and obviously the Finns could be the dark horse in there. Uh, the Russians have really dropped down because they've turned into more of a an individual-style team where... Yeah, they, they have they, some really good players on the Russian team. Though. They, they've always had a lot of great individual players, but they just can't seem to mesh whether their attitudes or something else gets in the way. Uh, and the other teams just, uh, I don't think they're ready to compete at the level that uh, Team Canada, Team Sweden, Team Finland are at. Now, uh, the North American team, that's an interesting squad. Uh, how well will, will, will they do with the inexperience they have? I like the North American team. I'm actually excited about this format, too. When you've got an under-24 team and you've got a best of Europe, that means you don't have those weaker maybe Swiss teams or Austrias, and you've got... Germans. Yeah, the Germans. Like, I, I think they're going to be... They're going to pose a challenge, and I, I love the under-24 team's speed. Like, when you're looking at guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, I don't know what kind of role he's going to play, but... It, it almost seems like they're playing with house money. Like a lot of people are almost saying, okay, well, they're too young and too inexperienced, and we all expect Canada and maybe the U.S. and Sweden to dominate. So don't be surprised if this team kind of slips through. And when you look at all the budding young stars they have, it's a young man's game. And I think the fact that it's being playing on NHL ice surfaces rather than the international ice surfaces is actually going to help them a lot because um, you don't have that – like well, that inexperience might show uh, on a bigger ice surface where a lot of the Canadians and what have you, um, they have that experience playing on the larger ice surface. So I, I kind of like the the idea of a Canada um, U23 matchup in the final. Uh, I know it's going to be kind of weird because who do you cheer for? But I think that will be a real huge selling point. Johnny Goudreau is playing without a contract. Is the, I didn't expect that. Is that... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't, don't think know. that's a I big don't... deal. He's an RFA. It's not like yeah, you're just worried about hurt? the injury. Yeah, the injury. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's worried about it. I don't think <laughs> I he should you be. Think I, I think he just, he's, he's looking at Monaghan's contract that he just signed. So he's <laughs> more or less right. just Yeah, there's lick, an interesting his, contract. Lick, licking his chops. There's an interesting contract. He Out of that draft, he's the highest paid player out of that whole draft year. He should be. Than McKinnon. He's, a Ryan, he's Ryan Getz laugh in a couple years. Wow. He's not there already. That's pretty high praise. Yeah. So he's ahead of McKinnon in his growth? I think so. I think if you're going to do that draft again, how would you play it, Louis? Would you put McKinnon over Monaghan or vice versa? I like Monaghan personally. Well, you've got to think that uh, McKinnon, uh, Barkoff, players we don't see enough. You know, Monaghan's playing in Canada, so we hear a lot more about him. And, and also you've got a right-handed shot in Seth Jones, who's more or less he's regressed a little bit. But uh, you've got to just, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with either three of them. Right. Right. It, it's just the situation where what's going to be intriguing now is kids are going to play like t- under 24. They're going to get this experience of playing against in the World Cup, which they never probably would have gotten if they didn't come up with this format, how they're going to bring this into the season. And you're going to see the level of the young kids' style of play is going to be phenomenal as the year goes on. The, the only thing I think like that hurts with having that under what are under 24 team is the u.s gets hurt a lot like you you look at guys like goudreau like u.s Austin would love, matthews <laughs> they would love to have seth jones Seth Jones. <laughs> like, there's a number of guys yeah. dylan larkin possibly um brandon sod like these guys are legit american like world man, cup players yeah world world players. Players, yep. forget about this under 24 yeah. like 
aside from maybe Connor McDavid and maybe Aaron Ekblad might have been your seventh defenseman if we didn't have this on Canada. Uh, Canadian team, this is all just kind of players that weren't going to make the team anyway, but the, the U.S. team, I think, gets hurt a, a lot probably, by yeah, this probably, Yeah, I think they're going to get hurt the most because... Jack Eichel, the, even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's another one. Uh, the players that they're going to replace are probably on the way out for the U.S., and the U.S. knows that they got these young kids coming up. Uh, so they're going to be a lot better down the road than they are right now. The progression of Morgan Riley, especially in the World Championships last year, you were there, Mike. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he looked to me like the best defenseman there. And uh, he's on that under-24 team also. I thought, I thought he was, yeah, uh, him and a couple other guys were definitely the best players, I think, in that tournament. Uh, and he was playing with Chris Tanev, and you, you could see the difference, eh? <laughs> when you put a Morgan <laughs> Riley with a guy who actually knows how to play defense and can legitimately play a, a top-pairing role, uh, what he can do. And I remember talking to Mor- uh, Morgan Riley's dad at the tournament. I said, hey, Morgan's looked really great. And he's like, yeah. He goes, any chance the Leafs can trade for Tanev? Because... <laughs> When you put him out there with put Morgan Riley out there with whoever the Leafs had him last season, it's it's unfair at that age to have a a defender log in that type of minutes with kind of a subpar defender. And I think that's kind of the Leafs' challenge this year is who do you play with Morgan and is it going to be enough? Because you saw it with Dion Phaneuf for years. Like the the number one I think complaint against Phaneuf was you know, he wasn't very good defensively, but got to remember, he was playing with guys like whether it was Carl Gunnarsson or Corbinian Holzer or whoever. It was almost like placeholders. Uh, they weren't legitimate number twos. I don't even think they were legitimate number threes in a, a lot of respects. Does Morgan Riley become a number one? Louis? That's going to be, I, I think that we'll find out in the next year or two if he's going to become a, num- a number one. Uh, I think he's a legit number two or three right now. Uh, and threes on the outside, but uh, I guess we'll see on, on how he progresses and whether he takes the uh, bull by the horns and say, okay, guys, this is my team now, especially on the on the back end. Um, and I think uh, Babcock and getting used to the Babcock system will, will help him in that, in that uh, respect. Uh, but they still have to find a good partner, as Mike says, to, to play with them more or less. You know, if you don't have that good partner there, you could be left out in left field uh, on a lot of occasions. I don't think Gardner's the right choice there either uh, because Gardner doesn't know where he's going on his own end. Uh, yeah, he improved last year under Babcock, though. Oh, you, you think so? A little bit. Okay, just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. He did. <laughs> we'll be right back. We're going to go to commercials, and we'll be back, and we'll talk about the Olympics. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! Everybody down! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. 
Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We wanted to talk a bit about the Olympics uh, that uh, have, have taken place or are still taking place. The uh, closing ceremonies are uh, today. Who, guys, who do you think should be... Uh, Bring it home for Canada. I like Penny Oleksiak just because I don't think a lot of Canada was thought of as a, a swimming nation going into these Olympics. I think it was almost like, okay, well, let's get the swim uh, swim events over with and we'll get to the, the ones that Canada's really good at, which is the women's soccer and uh, the sprinting with the men's. And, and then out of nowhere, here she comes. And as a 16-year-old, just dominating, really, um, amongst her class. And, and she well, just turned 16 in yeah. June. That's amazing. To, to come away with four medals and what was it, one gold? or One gold. Yeah. One gold. Silver and two bronze. Yeah, I, for me, it's a slam dunk. And not that you can't take anything away from DeGrasse, but yeah, just because of the event and how old she was and what it really meant for the start of the games. Louis? I think Penny also, uh, but I'll give it a close second to uh, to Sinclair, only because it's a it would be a nice gesture on a farewell gesture. Uh, on her behalf and uh, Canada for all she's done for uh, Canadian soccer. Uh, I think Degrassi's probably going to have three or f- three, at least two or three more Olympics that that he Hopefully. can, yeah, that he can carry uh, the flag in and out. But uh, I would say it's going to be Penny with a close second, uh, Christina Sinclair. Wasn't it cool that Sinclair gets the game-winning goal? Yeah, <laughs> it was almost and, like and, again, day. yeah. It's it's a perfect outgoing for her. You always want to go out on top, even though they didn't get to the gold medal game. She does score the winning goal and the bronze medal, and they ended up uh, walking away with it. And people are talking about like, this, she's past her prime, and she's no longer the St. Clair that she was maybe at the previous Olympics. And again, like it's like Mario coming back, yep. playing in the World Cup or what have you. It's like just good players... The puck finds them, the ball finds them, and they know what to do with it. Well, we'll see if she's going to be ready for the World Cup in two years. Yeah, I, I think she says she wants to be around for the next four years, which is a good thing. Like she would be 37. So it's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough. 
Right. Uh, she won't have a majority role in, in uh, on the team as she does right now. Uh, maybe you know she could be good for the last ten or fifteen minutes. You put her in if they need a big goal uh, coming down the road. But uh, you know her roles are going to diminish a little bit in the next four years. Usain Bolt. Does he come back for another roar? I think he comes back. He should, because you look at Gatlin. I think he's right now the age that Bolt would be in four years. Um, if Bolt come, like I think Bolt just turned thirty, so he'd be what mid thirties for the next Olympics. And when you're dominating this much, maybe it'd be a closer race. Maybe we could actually see like an actual race instead of him kind of. I don't know, mugging for the cameras and joking around in the last like twenty meters. But what a dominant athlete! Best like, athlete I've ever seen. Like that—that's amazing. He hasn't lost. Like he has nine gold medals. Like in the last three, three each year of the Olympics. So not even close. Not either. even close. Like it's—he was laughing with the grass when the grass was kind of pushing him in the semifinal, and even then when he just turned it on. It's not fair, really. That's what I mean. Like, so come back in four years when you're a little older, your knees are a little creakier, maybe, and then, then we'll see an actual race. But yeah, it's... have we seen enough of Michael Phelps? I think right. we have. I, I think we have. It, it's uh, he's more or less he's gonna he's gonna retire on top right now. He just wanted this is his last hurrah. He wanted to prove to everybody, and I, I think he's saying Bolt's gonna do the same thing. He's gonna take two years off and decide he's gonna miss it. And come back with uh, in the last two years and getting ready for for the 2020 Olympics, and say, boys, this is going to be my farewell party, and I'll show you guys that even at the age of 35, that uh, I am, I will be the fastest in the world. And Degrassi was just unbelievable for a guy that's 165 pounds. <laughs> you, you look at you look at the f- physique of both runners. If you put about another 20 pounds on on Degrassi. How hard and how strong he's going to be pushing off. Uh, he, he he might give Jose uh, Bolt a run for his money in four years. Yeah, I like the grass and like it's funny you mentioned the body types. Like Bolt doesn't fit the typical sprinter's body where you're you're looking like basically a football player, right? Like you're you're stocky, you're full of muscles. He's just that long, gangly type. And the grass is the same thing where yeah, smaller guy, very skinny. And you're going. This is the guy that's got explosive power. But well, you look at Gatlin and uh, and Powell, yeah. uh, the two premier runners uh, before the Grassy got here, and you look at their physique, and, and you can look at uh, uh, at the Grass, and you can see how his physique is going to fit the mold of those two runners. Well, those two guys, do you think yeah. he's going to fill out more? Just he's he's got to fill. He's yeah. got to fill out. He's only 21 years old. You're going to get true. him on a, on a strength program and uh, and a diet. Uh, he could probably carry, I bet you, about 185, and you're going to see the difference on him just in his legs and his, and his shoulders. Do you see? How would you like to be the guy that handles him as an agent to Grassy right now? Easiest role ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for anything. Well, wasn't there some there that uh, he just uh, he's on the verge of probably uh, get signing a lucrative contract, uh, close to 20 to 30 million dollars with. Uh, with how he, with what he's done in the the Olympics, and he and he hasn't won yet. Wait till he wins. I, yeah. I think a lot of people are looking at, like, who's the next Bolt in terms of who they can start signing. And I think uh, DeGrasse and Bolt are both with Puma. So I wonder if DeGrasse is almost going to start piggybacking like all the things that Bolt was kind of the, the flag bearer for, so to speak. Uh, if he starts taking over that, but. Uh, nothing against DeGrasse, but you're not going to be bold. Like no. He's a guy that captured – you talk no. to anyone, whether or not you're a sports fan or 
fall Olympics, sprinting, whatever. Like you know who Bolt is. Like it, it was something that was kind of transcendent in that regard. The, the the thing the big thing with Bolt is uh, personality. Yeah. If the grass can get a personality, I, I think he's still young enough that he can get that personality. And you watch Donovan Bailey uh, in the studio <laughs> jumping up and down when when the girls and even the grassy uh, on the hundred yard uh, meters and even on the uh, on the relay, he, like he's got to be that kind of personality. He's got to have uh, something that uh, is always smiling. There's not a grumpiness about him. He'll he'll be open to any kind of uh, questions, and I think Hussein was like that. Yeah, I think DeGrasse is doing that. He's he's uh, he presents himself really well, and I think he's he's got a great future ahead of him. Now we talked about this with Mike earlier uh, in the in the studio. Um, not to put down the Olympics, but how many of these athletes are we going to remember in the next six months? Out, out of all these athletes have performed at the Olympics, the Canadian ones, how many would you say you'd remember? What they did by count them on one, and, yeah, to be, and it's it's a sad it's, thing to a say. Sad but. thing, yeah. But realistically, like these aren't events that like I don't think I don't watch world championships of I don't know, handball or like, swimming or diving. Like aside from like the sexy sports, which is like the beach volleyball, the, the sprint, and <laughs> beach volleyball. <laughs> I don't even know their athletes either. But it's it's true though. Like Penny Alexiak, I think we're all gonna remember because we're gonna be talking about her and in the lead ups um, to the next games. But yeah, for, aside from her and DeGrasse, uh, I'm kind of hard pressed. Are, are we gonna be thinking about uh, Duran? Duran McClellan maybe because of her winning two golds that may have something. But that that would be it. I agree with that. You, you, you know? I, I, I don't think I can put five names together right now overall. Uh, obviously, you know the, the main guys are Penny, uh, Michael Phelps, uh, people of that nature that have that have stood out, and individual teams maybe, but uh, uh, individual uh, talent. I I don't think I can name more than five. Yeah, it's a sad thing to talk about. Right? You see these Olympics for three weeks, and you won't remember in the next six months, you won't remember most of the athletes that went through. Well, it's, it's a once-every-four-years thing yeah. where it just kind of captures her imagination. Like, like, my wife doesn't watch much sports, but Olympics come on, and she's watching whatever happens to be on TV. And I think a lot of Canadians feel that way. Um, ah, like I said, I, I'm not a big... I've got enough sports that I watch on a professional basis, just like with hockey, baseball... Uh, basketball, other sports. Uh, I don't have time to watch world championships of, like I said, like fill in the blank of sport here. Mike, uh, let's get back to the uh, the hockey side. When it, uh, when does it really rev up the World Cup, the uh, training camp and that? It's a good question. Uh, I know this Thursday we're going to find out all the details about camps and whatnot. And I, I think, you know, once the Olympics start dying down, uh, World Cup coverage and just kind of, the buzz like we're, we're a month away right now uh, i think the buzz is starting is going to start ramping up but it's going to be difficult in toronto and maybe even in canada just with the jays like h- how much of the jays um, run to the postseason is going to kind of dominate and maybe take over where the world cup normally would get top billing it's going to be shared right now because <laughs> until the hockey starts i think for the world cup and we actually get some drama possibly on the ice it's still going to be a wait-and-see approach. I think a lot of people maybe are excited to see a guy like Austin Matthews. and But this isn't the Olympics. This is still kind of a sport where they're saying, yeah, be excited about this because it's best-on-best best hockey. But I think it's still kind of be a wait-and-see approach. Louis, what do you think? Uh, 
I think until the Jays come back, uh, come back down to earth more or less, it's going to be Jays baseball. The World Cup is going to take second fiddle to this uh, until Team Canada gets to probably to the semifinals or finals, uh, and those probably might be the two more interesting uh, games uh, they play. Uh, you look at the the Jays have the probably what the second best record uh, home attendance. In uh, in all of baseball, they're fourth best in, in all of baseball right now. And uh, yeah, they're first in the American League. First in the American League, and uh, I think L.A. and Chicago or somewhere else. L.A., St. Louis. Yeah, uh, and San Francisco are ahead of. There's three teams ahead of. So and this this city right now is so starving for a championship team. They saw what the Jays did last year, uh, in their run to almost get into the World Series. That uh, I think it's going to be all Jays. Doesn't matter what 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 the World Cup really does. And you got to remember the schedule. Like I'm just looking at here for Canada. Like they play the Czech Republic off the hop. Then they got the U.S. and Team Europe. Aren't really kind of marquee matchups. Like you're not seeing Canada, Russia, or even Canada, Sweden, or Canada, North America. Like it, you almost got to wait a bit till you get the the real kind of heart of the the tournament. So for that first little while. I don't know how many fans are going to say, okay, Blue Jays or watching Canada play the Czech Republic. I'd watch the Blue Jays. I think I'd watch the Blue Jays too. So would I. <laughs> See, they even knew him. He's a Yankee fan. Yeah, so there you go, right? The Jays, the, 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 the Jays are huge. Like They were drawing like 10 million viewers in the playoffs. Wait, Can you imagine the fans in Cleveland this weekend? Yeah. Like it was ridiculous. Like how many, how much blue there was in the stadium? And do you know Cleveland, first place team, second worst attendance in the American League? Mm-hmm. Isn't that terrible? It's like That's, the movie, right? Major League. Yeah, it's like <laughs> awful attendance. Why they have a winning team? I guess they spent all their money on the Cavaliers, right? I blame Mark or Shapiro they, for they, that. Or they might be recovering. <laughs> It's amazing, though, that some of these teams don't draw well at all, and they're in first place. And the Jays are just—it uh, was a sell. It's been a sellout for a while. There, there's not many tickets left for the. No, Jays. I took my son last Wednesday, and we actually had to go on StubHub to get a decent ticket because the only ones you could get were like singles or nosebleeds, and I wanted to go see, a de- like, go first base side, a decent ticket, and yeah, you know, had to go StubHub. I don't remember the last time. I had to go to Scalpers to find a, a ticket for the Jays. Let's look at October for a bit. There's a possibility that the Toronto Blue Jays will play the Texas Rangers in, in the playoffs. Can you imagine that series, especially with what went on with Bautista? I want a front row seat on that one. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm one of the Jays, I'm going, I'm going up to bat wearing all hockey equipment. <laughs> it's going to be a lot well, of balls. There's only one guy that's going to be doing that. Well, maybe two, Donaldson and, uh, and Bautista, but that was, uh, that's going to be a— That's craziness. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be, it would be a fun series. And It could happen because the way the things are going, like Texas and Toronto could meet, meet up at, at some point in time. And there's there's teams going after that wild card. Seattle's coming on strong. And they're, they're, Seattle can knock off Texas too, too and yeah. have that one game, one game series in in Toronto or even in Texas. Imagine how busy that. I know it's, it'll be crazy here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much how crazy it's going to be in Texas. Oh, it'll be crazy here. I don't think as much in Texas, but definitely here. Now the Jays have uh, their trades have worked out, Louis. Most of them that they made it before the deadline. What do you think? They've they've made some minor deals. They really haven't made a, a major overhaul like they had last year, only because they really haven't got that much left. I saw Hoffman make his debut last night, and he got beat up pretty bad for the uh, for the Rockies. Uh, but you know what? They just tweaked it. They didn't have to. Uh, they didn't go after the Jay Bruce. 
which they really need a left-handed bat, power bat, because Smoke has really hasn't done much most of the year. Uh, Mike Saunders is a guy that had a great first half. Uh, and I look at Brett Gardner last year, who was tearing the league up up until the All-Star break, and then after the All-Star break, wasn't nowhere to be seen. Uh, but again, they just tweaked it. They, they knew what they needed. They needed a little bit of bullpen help. Uh, they got grilly. Um, yeah, he uh, was uh, uh, he was nowhere. He's really worked out. He uh, was doing nothing. And a with guy San that Brazil. loves to play for the Jays. Yeah, I like that fact. Yeah, and uh, obviously Cecil's back because he wasn't here for most of the year, and they need that left-handed uh, pitcher coming out of the bullpen. And Biagini's come out of nowhere as a five uh, player five rule there. That he's I think he's probably the most valuable guy next to Asuna in the bullpen this year. Look what Benoit's done. He's guiding. Benoit's and, been and, a nice yeah, sixth yeah, inning and, guy yeah, or a seventh yeah. inning guy. Yeah, yeah, he's turned out really yeah. well. And, and these are guys with experience. Yeah. Uh, and they're just small little, you know how you put a, uh, a puzzle together? All you need is small pieces that fit into the clubhouse that these guys are just happy to be here because they're on a contender and they get a chance to win a, uh, a World Series ring. And that's all you need. You don't need a major name. You don't need a Jay Bruce. You don't need a, a Gomez that was just let go or anybody like that. All you need is small little pieces that will fit in, that won't cause any harmony in uh, in the in the dugout, and just go out and do what you do. Yeah, because that's the fear, right? When I know, I know last year they made a huge splash getting David Price, getting Tulo, and it seemed like there was a nice cohesive unit still, but that that is the fear when you grab too many guys at the deadline that – they're not going to gel. Some guys are going to get hurt feelings. But in getting an Upton, who's basically your fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder maybe on some days, you're not you're not doing any disservice to the, the regular guys there. And the bullpen help, I think, a much-needed kind of help there, especially. And then Lariano, you didn't know what was going to happen with Sanchez. And so far, I've liked what Lariano's brought. At least it's, it's, it's another option, right? So if you do have Sanchez in the pen, I'm happy with Lariano as my fourth or fifth. And also, you, you got to look at this might be their last kick at the can because they don't know whether they're going to be playing baseball next year. The guys that I think Upton's the only one that has a contract passed this year. Benoit is probably another free agent. Grilly's going to be a free agent. Uh, who um, Benoit, the same thing. So it's just a, a situation where this is their, could be their last kick at the can uh, and get a World Series ring. And, and they're more or less they're doing everything they possibly can to, to make this team win. Yeah, the six-man rotation, that uh, is going to stop this week from what I'm hearing. One of those guys is going to the bullpen. Which guy goes? Lariano. He's never done it, though. That's the thing. It's like I can't. I wouldn't put Sanchez. I don't know. And, and there's another discussion for another day. You know, these pitchers, I, I hate to say it, they're, they're being coddled. They're, you know, what, what happened to, to pitching 200 or more innings even as a, as a first- or second-year player now? And I know... It's a long-term future that they're, they're putting a lot of uh, a lot of money in with Sanchez and and a Strowman and, and guys of that nature, but sooner or later, you know, you've got to put these guys out and see how they can handle it. It's just, uh, uh, I, I just, I guess, just I'm, I'm old school, where guys used to pitch 230 to 280, 300 innings a year, and just put me out there every four or five days and uh, let me go at it. Yeah, we asked Tom Henke that. He was in studio last week, and we had Pat Gillick on, too. It's the, what it is is uh, they think it's the kids are throwing too much at a young age, and this is what's happened. Because back in the day, you know, you used to play three sports, two or three sports. Now they're dedicated to one sport. And that's, that, that's the issue with the arms is that they, they just 
they're they're spent because of uh, the early day, early days in baseball. Well, you, you just brought up another small uh, item here. I think baseball players in general are more tightly strung, and I mean, when you're tightly strung, twenty or thirty years ago, players never used to work out. Now they've got a twelve month a year regimen where they they do weights, they do they do exercises in between starts, they do them at the start of the year, they do them in the off season, and what what happens then? is you're, you're building your muscles up nice and tight that sometimes when you've got too much muscle, not enough fat around your, 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 your tissues or your bones, they tend to snap. And I've seen it with guys that uh, uh, with tight hamstrings, uh, upper groins. Uh, you look at a guy and he's a physical specimen. But if he, one little nudge out of whack, he could be gone with a torn hamstring. He could be up for four or five months. And that's what I'm finding with pitchers and baseball players and athletes in general nowadays that they have that they're they're on these strict diets and their body fat sometimes is too less like you have body fat of probably three or four or five percent where it should be up around 10 or 11 or 12 you have enough cushion there to absorb a little bit more punishment or a little bit more pain than you normally can that's why I guess Bartolo Colon has never got hurt, right? <laughs> That's why I'm always healthy, too. <laughs> you look at him. He's what, 45, 46, 44, whatever he is, and he hasn't been hurt. I mean, there might be something to that, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should look like Bartolo Colon. <laughs> he's putting bunts down to sacrifice guys. You see that? Yeah, he's an amazing guy. We're going to go to commercial, but we'll be right back. Some technical difficulties will be... Uh, We'll have commercials within a couple of minutes. Uh, the Jays, uh, we were gay, we were talking about pitching arms. Er, uh, Estrada, Marco Estrada has been effective the last two starts. I'm a little worried about him. Ineffective. Ineffective, right, ineffective. He hasn't been effective at all. I'm worried about him. Uh, should I be, Lou? I don't know if he should be or not. I think he's uh, frustrated that he uh, that he's not going every four or five days. And uh, the stronger you get, that that changeup that he got that's, that's killing everybody is not as effective as it is when the, when the arm is a little bit more tired. It's just like uh, a guy that's got a lot of off-speed stuff. The more tired your arm is, the better the stuff is, only because it, it does more damage to it. There's more drop and there's more uh, movement on it where, where a guy is really strong. He, uh, and I guess the strength-wise is more or less guys that, that are th- throwing 100 miles an hour, and Estrada's not a guy that's throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, they say the routines are, are affected. They're into a routine, and they don't want to be that routine shouldn't be broken with pitchers. And and it looks like Estrada is not not pitching well, and I'm a little worried about him. Uh, there, Michael Saunders has he lost his uh, appeal out there as a free agent coming up with his poor play in the last couple of months? Well, I try to compare him with Brett Gardner as we as we discussed, and uh, he had a, a great first half. Uh, right after the All-Star break, he's nowhere to be seen. And uh, You look at sometimes the pitchers, too, uh, that have great first halves. They go to the All-Star game, they, they represent their team at the All-Star game, and all of a sudden, uh, Chris Sale's another guy. Um, in the second half of the season, they're, they're really, for whatever reason, something happens at that All-Star break, and they're just uh, not the same player they were before. Uh, I think Michael Saunders is still a valuable asset because he's a left-handed bat coming off the bench. He's not going to be more than the third or fourth outfielder on any team. So if he, if he thinks he's going to bank in on a 10 to $15 million contract at the end of the season, I think he better have a good run from here on till the end of the season. 
Yeah. We're going to go to commercial break and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced the Pepperoni Party Pizza Special. Get 24 slices for just $24. Can you eat it all in just 24 hours? 24 square slices smothered in pepperoni. You've also got to deal with six bottles of Pepsi. 24 plus six Pepsi for 24. Can you finish it? Go to pizzaville.ca for details. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back, and we're down to the final stretch, last 15 minutes of the show, and we were uh, off air just talking about the Blue Jays' schedule and how it'll affect the World Cup. Louis, what, what were you saying there? I was just more or less saying you're, you're running with the, the last week of the season. The Jays got the Yankees, they got Baltimore at home, and then they go to the Red Sox, they go to Boston for the last three games, which are running 29, 30, and, and August, October 1st. So it's going to be funny how, um, you know, I think everybody's going to watch to see what the Jays do before they watch any of the Team Canada or, or the World Cup. No, it's just, like it's these could be must-wins, right? Like These could be determining whether well, Toronto gets in the playoffs, whether they get a wild card, whether they clinch the division. Like There's going to be possibly something on the line here. Well, you're absolutely right. and, and it all, We all have to see what happens between now and then. But when you have three series like that, I know the Yankees aren't that well, and but they could play spoiler role. Yankees have been playing really well since they made <laughs> don't, all. Don't be moves. surprised if the Yankees are fighting for that <laughs> second wild card really spot. Well. Like, 
Come on, guys. Let's, well, let's get, you know, they almost had the, they had the Jays on the ropes. They had them 6 nothing the Monday night game when the, r- the yeah. rain came, and then the uh, Jays uh, made a miraculous comeback. Mother Nature against. stepped in. Mother Nature <laughs> stepped in. That was Estrada. It was six runs, right? Yeah. And uh, the Yankees have looked pretty good since the trades. They they are well, going to be a, a team to no be reckoned with right? in the next couple of years. No pressure, and all the young kids are just kind of— They're just going on playing b- yeah, baseball. It's playing. just like when you uh, bring in the, the kids that they brought up last year in Toronto for that one month. We'll see how many of those kids actually stick with the team uh, at the start of this year and how many of them, um, more or less, are going to have impacts. Because I went to watch the Marlies play in the playoffs last year against Hershey. Most of those players were non-existent. Yeah. You, you, I didn't even— The players rec- that were playing for the least. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was just—I uh, wanted to see if they had that kind of impact because they, the Marlies were the number one-ranked team in the playoffs last year, and they got knocked off by Hershey, and then Hershey lost four straight to, to Erie. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the Soshnikovs and the Hymans do when it's not just okay. You're up for a month or you're up for a couple of weeks, yeah. and all right, do this for yeah. a whole a, a whole full season. But yeah, there's yeah, no, well, no no pressure this year. Well, Nylander, no, you, you know he's going to be up yeah. here most of the year. Uh, the guys on the bubble are going to be Hyman. They're going to be uh, Kapanen, uh, Sosh, Carrick, Carrick. Uh, Carrick is, gonna, is not is, with them anywhere. He signed with Chicago, I think. Carrick, Sam Carrick, yeah. Huh. Yeah, he's he's moved no, on. I'm talking about the defenseman. Oh, the to the defenseman, yes. The Connor, 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 Connor Carrick. Carrick. Yeah, the one they got from Washington last yeah. year. He was a number he was I a like, leading scorer on the on the Marlies. I liked him in the too. playoffs. I, he yeah. could lug the puck that kid. That, yeah. he, he's he's not bad. Now let's take a look at the Leafs because there there's some people who say they're gonna be close to the playoffs. Some people who say they're gonna have a t- team like that last defense year. <laughs> yeah, that defense. That's that's the issue. Is the defense we're talking about who's gonna carry the load and it doesn't look like other than Morgan Riley, there is anybody there that can well, really you, do it. When you pencil Austin Matthews in as your probably number two center, and maybe on this team he's your number one center immediately, like that's a lot to ask of a. I know, I know he played in a men's league last year, but still, like well, you they, saw they're going to be asked. I know. Saw him what, close up. What, what oh, I saw like him for a tournament. Yeah, like he, he looks great, but we're talking the NHL here, and Louie can speak to this a little better than I can, but. Uh, 82-game season as a rookie, I don't know how many guys can jump in and be impact guys. Like Even McDavid took, what, maybe a whole month before he got it, finally got uh, his feet wet, then gets injured, comes back, and tears it up. But that, that's McDavid. Uh, I don't know if Matthews um, is in that kind of stratosphere where you can do that all year. And uh, on this team with that defense, moving the puck up the ice, aside from Riley, I've got some serious concerns on that blue line. It, it's more or less. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be the foot soldiers. Last year, no, and even the last couple of years, yeah, the Leafs have had guys that on one or two year contracts that have actually helped the younger guys play. This year, they're more or less they're jumping in with all kids, and uh, you, their points at the end of the year might be even less than last year. Wow, but the, but that'll the, be hard to take. But, uh, but well, the as long as there's growth, though. Like, if yeah, you see growth in the youngsters, yeah. I think you can be happy with and, uh, a non-playoff team. And that's what they saw with the month that uh, these kids were up. Now they're going to see if they can put them into the fire and put them in for, for six or seven months and see how they handle 80 games. Because uh, we know how, uh, at least I know how 80 games are, especially come January, February, where the dog days there, it just... Sometimes you don't even feel like going to the rink. You're, you're so beat up. And I want to see how these kids handle that and see if they come up with the same kind of spunk they, uh, they did in that one month uh, to open up the, uh, the eyes of the, the uh, Leafs organization. A key, a key guy for me is going to be JVR. Yeah, Because he was hurt a lot last year, and he's going to be on the U.S. team. And 
you, you see what he can do, like with that body, um, with that shot and speed down the wing. Like Great he's, hands, he's too. Great hands. Prototypical power yeah. forward. I, I think he can take games over. It's just can he do it on a daily basis? And I think that's the thing that the Leafs have been searching for. And had a great year, um, what was it, two years ago with Kessel? As his, uh, and Bozak, yeah. And Bozak, but I, I would love for him to be um, that superstar in Toronto. I think if he kind of helps out offensively, takes a lot of pressure off guys like Nas, guys like Matthews and the young kids, uh, that could be huge for them. If not, then who, who are you looking at for scoring Komarov again? Uh, that's a lot to ask. Well, who's who's your, who's your number one center, and has anybody found Lupul yet? Yeah, that's what we're going to just talk about. <laughs> Bios. There's a there's a couple of guys that need to be bought out. And they they can only do one of them, right, Mike? They can yeah. buy anybody out they want. They can it, it, now it costs them. It's not like yeah. you've got yeah. that kind of um, the deal right after the lockout where you had the the two compliance buyouts. Now it's just you can do them, but <laughs> it costs you for the future now. So. Uh, buying loophole out is an option. Another option is just kind of telling them, okay, well, <laughs> stay home. D- stay home, like what we did with Robida. Yeah. Yeah. Or has even, anybody seen Robida lately? No, it's a witness protection program, I think, yeah. right? I think they may be hanging out together down in uh, Redondo Beach in California. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's where loophole is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tough situation because, you know, I, I like Lupul. Um The fa- simple fact is he's getting older, um, he's always had the injury problems. And I think it kind of catches up to you. Yeah, he's been injured quite a bit. He, uh, I don't think he's played as many games as uh, he's lost in the last four or five yeah. years. So that's well, he's like, yeah, he's like Cadre. He's benefited from that short season, uh, had a great uh, 35 games, pocketed his uh, four-year deal and uh, took it off and, uh, and ran with it. Let's talk about pro- uh, progression for Kadri. Michael, has he uh, uh, progressed in the, in the past year? Well, he became a different type of player, I think, this year under Babcock, where I know points are a number one thing for Kadri, and he wants to be that guy that's going to be offensive. But under Mike Babcock, I think he started rounding out as a, a two-way center. Um, and I know the possession stats guys go nuts over uh, what he can bring, draws a lot of penalties. And I like Kadri. I just don't think he's ever going to be um, a number one center just with what he can produce. Even a number two center on a really good team, I don't think he even fits that. I, I think he's almost that two three guy, um, where um, he's gonna as a number three center, he's gonna bring you a lot of offense and a lot of um, opportunities. But yeah, you really want Matthews there, and you know if they could have had Stamkos, I would have loved to have seen a, a Matthews Stamkos and then Kadri as your number three. Well, so, you've, you've got to see, um, you know, you you got Bosak there also. Yeah. Uh, just, a little, little bit older than, than Kadri, but uh, I can see uh, Nazem as a probably 40 to 60 point guy during the regular season. Uh, and it's going to be a dogfight. Well, if, if he does 60 points, then yeah, yeah that's a number you know, two right there. Yeah, it's number two. But I'm just saying, I'm not sure if he's consistent enough to be a number two center and go up against uh, all the big boys uh, at that level. Um, and who are the Leafs going to have at three and four? You know, there's going to be a flip-flop between Kadri, Bozak, Bozak put up big numbers too, playing on a line with with Kessel, like you said. And then you got Holland possibly yeah. as your number four. Or do you go with a young kid, uh, a kid that you're going to spend uh, what probably eight hundred thousand dollars? Like, what did uh, I think Holland signed for? What one point three? Something yeah, like one point two, one point three. And I know yeah. they weren't too happy with him at the end of the season. Uh, again, it comes with consistency. And with with Mike Babcock, you have to bring your game every single night. If you don't bring it, 
he doesn't care who you are. You're going to sit out, and you're going to, your time is going to be taken away from him. And they're going to put guys that might not be as good or might not fit that role of a power play guy, but they're going to put him on there like they did with Komarov last year because he was willing to do the little things uh, on his regular shift. Now, we were talking a bit about Anderson before the show, too. Uh, there's a goaltending change. What do you think of that, Mike? How's he going to do? Well, it's all going to depend on the team in front of him. And we saw this with Jonathan Bernier, I think, to an extent. Like, it's easy to, to stop pucks when you're in front of Daryl Sutter's defense there in uh, L.A. But when you come into Toronto and you're being exposed to the elements, it, it's a different story. So if Mike Babcock can get this team buying into a defensive, um, full-on defensive play, then Anderson's going to have uh, easier nights and hard nights. But with that defense that we talked about. Like, it's Morgan Riley, Jake Gardner, Roman Polak, and just a bunch of other Marcin. names. Yeah, maybe Zaitsev, I guess, is going to be. It's a tough defense to play in front of. So I, I don't know what you can expect from Anderson. Again, if he steals games, then maybe he's the difference maker as to whether this is a, a playoff team or close to it. But I don't see it right off the hop. I don't think he he can do enough to get this team over that kind of or over that hurdle. What are your thoughts on Andrews? I, I think he's he's coming into a situation where he's gonna he's definitely gonna be the focal point of that uh, of the rear end there. It's more or less it's uh, how many times is he gonna have to have to stop second and third shots, uh, and it, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the defense how how aggressive they're gonna be, how easy they're gonna clear the puck, because if he's gonna more or less come in here and they're gonna take second and third and fourth whacks at the puck. I don't think he's going to have the success that he had in, uh, in Anaheim because I know as, as much as Bruce was a offensive kind of guy, he had a pretty good system in his own end, and, and uh, the Ducks really survived, and they, they did well with that system. you got to remember also, he's not a proven number one. Like he, he played with John Gibson. I don't think he's had a full season as the guy um, in the NHL. It's almost been a, a tandem role for him, and now – have the Leafs even signed a backup goaltender? No, they haven't signed one. That's another thing. Like, I know they're going after, uh, was it Jonas, Jonas Anroth was a guy that got mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, and they've got Bebo and Sparks in the system, but... Uh, uh, they're not ready, those two guys. No, and yeah. so with a guy like Anderson, are you kind of concerned that there's not a, a, a guy riding kind of shotgun with them where, okay, maybe Anderson only plays 50 games. Like, is he coming in this uh, situation and he's going to play 60-plus games? I, I almost have a little, con maybe some concerns there as well. Louis, what do you think of the uh, puck possession uh, stats? Are you a puck possession guy, stats guy? I'm old, school. I'm old school. Old play, school. The, play the game hard. That brings me up to Shea Weber and uh, PK trade. What did you guys? We haven't talked about this. What did you think of that trade? That I, was thought, the biggest I thought it trade was great for Montreal right now. Yeah. Don't ask me again in maybe a few years when Weber starts getting a little older and PK's is he? Hit, I guess he's in his prime, but he's going to be hitting you know defenseman kind of peak a little later. So I think Nashville wins tomorrow. Today I think Montreal wins, and I, I love what. A guy like Shea Weber is going to bring to that team and to that organization. Um, to what Mike was saying, Shea Weber is going to fit exactly into the Montreal tradition of, of defensemen. Uh, and P.K. Subban is going to fit into the Nashville because they need somebody with a little bit of a personality and an outgoing uh, style of hockey, and he can fit into that style, especially out in the West, out there. Um, the one thing that I look at, and obviously with for, you, you also play for now and later, is that 
it's tough when you when Mike Babcock can't pick you as one of your top six defensemen uh, to uh, to back your country up. It says a lot about uh, about both guys. Yeah, Shea Weber. Uh, Shea Weber is. Uh has been a, the best, one of the best defensemen in the last six, seven years. And uh, Montreal, I think, is going to do well at the beginning of this. But I'll tell you one thing. P.K. will love Nashville. I've oh, been yeah. there, and Nashville is quite the town he, for him. He was already, I think uh, I saw a clip of him already on, like, the stage in Tootsie singing the song. Like, like so. I said, his personality is, <laughs> I was is, in that is, bar yeah. the following week. <laughs> his personality is going to fit in great with Nashville because it, it's that kind of town where, uh, it's obviously, as good as he is, he just doesn't fit the mold of a Montreal Canadian defenseman in that organization because they are all about, they're not about individuals. They're not about guys with personalities. They're, they're yeah. very, very stoic. They're very, very almost like robots. You, you've got to toe the line. And you look at the guys that haven't towed the line, they've, they've gotten them out of there. And you know, they've made a great deal. they got a, a top uh, foreign world-class defenseman in, in Weber. And now uh, PK is going to take his tools down to, to Nashville and we'll see how he does out west. I think uh, he's going to be fine with Peter Laviolette's system too. Like he, that's an offensive coach. He likes to push the play. I think we're playing with Philip Forsberg and some of the other names they've got over there. Yossi Ellis on, yeah, on the rear playing, end. Playing with Yossi, there you go. Like, you that, that could be the difference maker, really. Boy, defensemen so, really developed in Nashville, though, didn't, haven't they? they? I mean, yeah, they, they just they, drafted they're, another they're one this year in the, in the first round. <laughs> so it's, again, it, it's going to depend on on systems and. I'm not sure if Michel Therrien's the best coach. Yeah, what happens to Therrien? And here's another thing. Uh, we don't have much time. It's too bad because I wanted to talk about Patrick Waugh mm. resigning. That, that, that didn't surprise me. And do you ever see him going to Montreal? I, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Yeah. I, I, I can't see that happening this, only because they— Because you brought up Terry, and that's what triggered my uh, Patrick Wall. I don't think there's a whole lot of fans also of just the kind of way that Patrick Waugh was coaching the, this year and— uh, I, I know the analytics community t- does not like what he was doing there in, in Colorado, and I think that was part of the because he was almost a co-in charge of player personnel. I don't think he liked the moves that were being made and the players that were being brought in because they didn't fit that kind of mold. But yeah, I don't know where Patrick ends up. I don't see him in Montreal. There's too many ghosts there, isn't there? Yeah, he's, he's too too much of a control freak to yeah. to jump into that organization. I think he's just going to wait his time. He's going to run his Quebec ramparts and. Hopefully, two or three years down the road, the Canadian dollar will get stronger, and they're going to put a franchise in Quebec. Oh, Th- thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys, for this. Uh, we have to go now. But Michael, thank you very much, and right. uh, hope you can join us again. Louis, great job as usual. Wally, we'll see you next week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.